But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, as we pray each week, may my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts, and may you please be here with us, and we trust that you are here. We ask all of this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, you you guys, I tried to warn you last week. Um, I said that I was rereading the complete Calvin and Hobbes and that I might be ready to transition from being the preacher who quotes movies all the time to being the preacher who quotes Calvin and Hobbes all the time. And at this point, some of you are thinking, why can't we just have a normal preacher? I'm disturbed at how little laughter there was at that. Um, but I am still reading Calvin and Hobbes. It's still great. And the six-year-old boy and his stuffed tiger still have great wisdom to share. The strip that uh, jumped out at me this week that I couldn't help sharing with you uh, involves Calvin and Hobbes careening down a hill in their wagon, as they often do, and having a philosophical conversation As they do so, here's what Calvin says. Life is like topography, Hobbes. There are summits of happiness and success, flat stretches of boring routine and valleys of frustration and failure. But I'm dedicating myself to experiencing only peaks. I want my life to be one never-ending ascension. Each minute of every day should bring me greater joy than the previous minute. I should always be saying, my life is better than I ever imagined it would be, and it's only going to improve. I'm just going to jump from peak to peak. I'm, whoops. And it's at this point that Calvin and Hobbes go flying off a cliff, crashing disastrously to the ground far below. And as he falls... Calvin is still proclaiming, only losers go down. For me, it's only going to be up and up. Now, I suspect that none of us would be so bold as Calvin about saying so, but this idea of a never-ending ascension permeates our lives. Have you ever heard the phrase, if you're not growing, you're dying? Only about every half hour, right? And you don't have to hear it from someone else. Many of us are experts at hearing this from ourselves. This is a common phrase, of of course, in the business world, but it is an all-too-common phrase in the church, too. If you're not growing, you're dying. And I don't just mean in terms of church growth. I mean in terms of your growth. It's incredibly easy to Christianize Calvin's soliloquy, isn't it? We talk about wanting to get closer to God or to be in a deeper relationship with Jesus and how we want every day to be a little closer than we were the day before. Many people, it seems to me, think of their Christian lives, at least ideally, at least as they ought to be, the way Calvin wants his life to be. A never-ending ascension that they, at least partially, Control, jumping from 
peak to peak. But perhaps the truest thing about the comic strip is the end, right? We can all relate to Calvin, can't we, when the red wagon goes careening off the precipice. All of a sudden, the progress we had seemed to be making, the progress we had worked so hard to achieve, seems dashed on the rocks at the bottom of the cliff. And we realize that we've been out of control. What does Jesus have to say to us then? When I was in college, the personal quiet time, uh, spending time alone in prayer and study, usually first thing in the morning, was something that my friends and I all wanted to do and do more often. I wanted to get closer to God, and I figured that spending time in the Word and in prayer would help me accomplish it. The problem for me, at least, was that things always seemed to get in the way of actually doing it. I always seemed to forget to set my alarm for earlier, and it would ring once again 15 minutes before class would start. Or I'd actually wake up and then not feel like praying and go back to bed. I did have some personal quiet times, but they were scattered. I'd get in a good groove, and then to borrow Calvin's imagery, I'd fall off the wagon and not have one for weeks. But that didn't seem to me to be the way a Christian should be growing. I thought my growth should be more like Calvin's suggestion, a gradual, perhaps, but never-ending ascension. And so when my caring friends asked me about my quiet times to encourage me to see how I was doing, I simply invented gradual improvement. One week, I'd say that I only had one. The, 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 the next week, three. Then four. Then for verisimilitude and believability, I'd invent a little regression, right? Back to two or three, then five, and so on. You see how it goes, right? My idea that my spiritual growth should be a relatively regular upward slope didn't actually help me have more quiet times. It didn't help me spend more time in the Word or get closer to God. It just made me lie to my friends. What I didn't realize was that God's mercies didn't lie at the end of a long upward climb. God's mercies are new every morning, as Lamentations attests, and they find you at the bottom of the cliff. You see, I was wrong about growth, and Calvin is wrong too. And in order to show you, I just want to look really quickly at two biblical passages that suggest we think about growth in a different way, a different paradigm of growth. The first is from 1 Corinthians 3, where St. Paul is writing to that church, wondering how it is that they've split themselves into factions after their planting. Some of them are saying they follow Paul. They're Planter. Some of them are saying that they follow this other guy named Apollos, one of Paul's contemporaries. And Paul is not having it. He, he writes to them, he says, What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants, through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. 
So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. That's quite a statement. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now, Paul is talking about the growth of a new church, yes, but he's also talking to them about their own spiritual growth, and he's clearly saying that the one responsible for that growth is God. Their growth doesn't come from Paul's effort or Apollos's. It doesn't even come from their own effort. It's all God. Neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. God gives growth. The second piece of scripture I want to point you to is from Mark chapter 4. And it's a parable that's so short that I'm just going to read the whole thing to you. It's only four verses long. The kingdom of God, says Jesus, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. In this parable, the farmer sows seeds and then doesn't even know how it grows. In Jesus' story, the crops grow completely without his help. He goes to sleep, he gets up, the crops grow. And so again, Jesus is making the same point, if not even a little more firmly. God gives growth, not anyone else. And these two parables between them seem to belie any possibility that we can decide to grow or try to grow or do much at all about our growth. Where Calvin commits himself to experiencing only peaks, And living a life of consistent ascent, the Bible seems to say God is in control. Now, is that good news or bad? Calvin wants to ascend regularly, and the Bible says God is in control. There's a quote that I love, and a search online didn't actually turn up any information about who said it. It's actually sort of hard to search for a particular quote. I think I might have heard it from Scotty Smith, but I think he may have been quoting someone else. Anyway, it's a quote about growth, and I think it shines a light on the difference between Calvin's vision of sort of human effort and linear improvement, jumping from peak to peak, and the biblical vision of growth as a pure gift from God. And the quote goes something like, a plant cannot grow if it's constantly being dug up to have its roots measured. A plant cannot grow if it's constantly being dug up to have its roots measured. In other words, you cannot grow if you're constantly worrying about how much you're growing. A Christian cannot grow if he or she is constantly evaluating the slope of their growth. Because that's the human paradigm. Am I better than I was yesterday? Am I always saying, like Calvin would, my life is better than I ever imagined it would be, and it's only going to improve? Is anyone out here saying that? Just just by the way. 
Am I a better Christian today than I was yesterday? Jesus is teaching a different paradigm completely. God gives growth to people planted in faith. Period. Growth is a gift. The Christian paradigm is not one of gradual improvement, regular ascent. The Christian paradigm is one of death and resurrection. Our plant has been pulled out of the world's soil and replanted in Christ. Therefore, says St. Paul, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. John Wimber, a charismatic evangelist who led the Vineyard Church, was at the same time a surfer in California. And he used to talk about the work of God in terms of surfing. See, I talk about movies and Calvin and Hobbes. You could get surfing illustrations all the time. I'm not sure if one would be preferable to the other. But John Wimber was a surfer and liked to talk about surfing. And he said that a surfer can always be prepared to ride away, right? He can be practiced, he can be wearing the proper outfit, and he can have his surfboard adequately waxed. But the one thing that a surfer can't do is actually the most critical part of surfing. A surfer can't make waves. He can only ride the waves that come. So it is with us. We can be ready, but only God brings the waves of growth. And here's a thing that's easily overlooked. As surfers know, the question isn't, will there be waves? The question is always, when? So it is with God and our growth. We are so naturally worried about our growth that we're always digging ourselves up to check and then worrying about whether or not it's enough. And even when we're able to talk about God giving growth, we are prone to talk about it in terms of if. God will give us growth if. We will grow if we do this or that or the other thing. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that planted in faith, you will grow. When Paul tells the Corinthians that God gives the growth, he doesn't just mean that it doesn't come from him or from Apollos. He does mean that, yes, but he also means that God actually gives growth. It will come. And in Jesus' parable, this is even more clear. The farmer wakes up, goes to sleep, and the crops grow. He doesn't even know how, at least in the story. But growth comes naturally. Growth comes organically to those planted in the soil of Christ's resurrection. So, if growth comes naturally to those planted in faith, how can we be so planted? To use Wimber's analogy, what does polishing our surfboard look like for a Christian? Well, remember the paradigm shift. It's not like Calvin. 
who thinks that somehow by application of his will, he can force his life to hit only peaks, jumping from peak to peak in a regular, never-ending ascension. No. Our paradigm is death and resurrection. We have been crucified with Christ, the Bible teaches, and are now raised to new life with him. Jesus says as much in our reading from Luke 17 when the disciples come to him asking for more faith. Right? They're asking for improvement. We're doing okay, but we want to do better for help reaching the next peak. But Jesus undercuts their idea of gradual increase. Increase your faith, he might as well have said. You don't have any. If you even had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell this mulberry tree to go be planted in the ocean and it would do it. You don't need improvement. You need resurrection. Again, Calvin and Hobbes illustrates this perfectly. God is in control and his first act is to push the you that thinks you're in control off a cliff. God will show you your need of him by showing you what goodness is, what holiness is, and then showing you how far from it you are. And then... Your eyes are opened and you realize that you are plummeting. But this is the amazing thing. It is in that realization that growth actually happens. Wimber talked about surfers polishing their surfboards, being ready for the waves. So how is it that we as Christians polish our spiritual surfboards? How can we be ready to meet the opportunities for growth that God sends us? It's simple. We face the truth. And we read Calvin and Hobbes. The truth is that our human growth paradigm always leads to the cliff. In fact, our human life always leads to the cliff. We are sinners. Our struggles to ascend always lead to a crash. How many of our days of striving actually end with us wishing we'd done so many things differently? Regretting how things turned out. Hoping to not make the same mistakes tomorrow. But there is good news for sinners Like us. God's mercies are new every morning. We die to sin every day and are raised to new life every day. This is the hope that the author of Lamentations clings to when he is confronted once again by the falling apart nature of his life. But this I call to mind, he says, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, even as we crash and burn once again. So this is our hope, too. We who are all too aware of what Calvin calls the 
valleys of frustration and failure. This is where we live. But the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. The good news is that God is not waiting at the top of some inexorable climb. He's there when you, like Calvin, fly off the precipice. He's there when you crash and burn. He is in the tomb with you, and he is a resurrection expert. He's at the bottom with you today, and his mercies are new right now. Amen.